0: We are on Yevamos Yigimel Moral thirteen a one, and this week, God willing, we will complete the commentary of the Gemara from the first Mishnah. So this is a big week. We are completing the the uh, the first uh, Mishnah uh, this week. We just have a few things left from the Mishnah, and it's three separate topics. As the Gemara is commenting on the lines towards the end of the Mishnah, it's going to be discussing three different topics, and then we will begin the next Mishnah. The Gemara first discusses Ketzeh Potros Tsaroseeha. It discusses the case of tsara. according to Rashi. It's the case of the co-wife's co-wife. So just to review that case, it was a bit of a confusing case. To review that case, you have three brothers, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Ruvain is married to two wives. One of those wives is Shimon's daughter. So Reuven is married to one wife and also the other wife is Shimon's daughter. And Reuven passes away without any children. So the law is that just like Reuven's daughter, sorry, Shimon's daughter who's married to Reuven uh, cannot marry, cannot do Yibam with Shimon because it's his daughter, so, so to the co-wife also cannot do Yibam with Shimon. So Reuven has two wives. So let's say the wives' names are... Uh, Sarah and Rachel. So Sarah is Shimon's daughter. So she certainly cannot do Yibam. And also Rachel, because she's the co-wife, could also not do Yibam to Shimon. But Rachel could do Yibam to Levi. And she goes ahead and she does Yibam with Levi. Levi now, so now Reuben's out of the picture because he died. You now have uh, Shimon and Levi. Levi performed Yibam with with uh, with Rachel, with um, with Rachel, who's not Shimon's daughter, but it's the co-wife of Shimon's daughter, uh, and then Levi has also another wife. He has, so he also has two wives. One of his wives is from the Yibom that he did with the co-wife of Shimon's daughter, and he also has his own other wife. So he also has two wives, and now Levi passes away. So Levi passes away. So the law is that Shimon cannot do Yibam with either one of Levi's wives, even though his daughter is no longer in the picture. His daughter was from Reuven's marriage. And Levi did Yibam with the co-wife of Shimon's daughter, with Rachel. Still, there's no Yibam, because since the co-wife was exempt at the time from Yibam to Shimon, because she was originally the co-wife of Shimon's daughter, who was Sarah, at the time. Uh, but since she was exempt from yibum with Shimon at the time, she remains exempt from yibum. And not only does she remain exempt from yibum, but she'll also exempt her co-wife from yibum with uh, with Shimon. And so this lasts forever. This could go on forever, says the Mishnah. But this is the case of the co-wife's co-wife, where the brother uh, performs yibum not with the other brother's daughter, but with the co-wife. And then if he passes away, so then... The co-wife remains exempt to Shimon and also the co-wife's co-wife. So the Gemara asks, how do we know the source for such an idea? What's the source for such an idea? And the Gemara is going to give two different explanations. It's based on a drasha. It's based on an extra letter. It's there to teach us that there are many co-wives, meaning there's a co-wife's co-wife which will also be exempt from Yivam. Rav Ashi, Amar Rav Ashi says, no, Svarahi, it's not from a Pasuk, it's not from a verse, but it's from logic alone. Tsara, my time, Why is the co-wife originally, the original co-wife of Shimon's daughter, who's married, Reuven's married to two wives. One of them is Shimon's daughter, the other one's the co-wife. So why is that co-wife exempt? The reason is, is because she's together with the erva, together with the daughter, and because they have that relationship of being a co-wife together with the daughter, so therefore that there's an exemption. So there's an idea here that the tsara, tsara also, the co-wife of the co-wife also, is viewed as together with the erva, together with uh, that original erva, the daughter of Shimon. So the co-wife's co-wife would also be viewed as being together with the co-wife's co-wife. And the idea of the Gemara, what the Gemara is saying is that since the co-wife... Uh, of the daughter became forbidden, so it's as if she herself now has the status of an erva, of a forbidden relationship, because with regards to Shimon, it's like the sister-in-law relationship continues. That sister-in-law re- relationship potentially continues, and then when she has to do even uh, another time after she does even with Levi, so then the relationship that she had with Shimon continues to exist, that exemption continues to exist, and then it will also exempt the co-wife. Okay, that is topic number one. There are two other topics left before we conclude the Gemara. The Gemara's commentary on the first Mishnah. The next part of the Gemara is a very interesting part of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Mesu it, c- it continues on with the Mishnah. The Mishnah essentially says that if we had a scenario where, let's say, Reuven and Shimon are brothers, and Reuven is married to two wives. Uh, he's married to Shimon's daughter, again Shimon's daughter, and to just another wife. Uh, and let's say Shimon's daughter passes away before uh, before uh, Reuven dies. So let's say Shimon's daughter either passes away or gets divorced, but the point is that she's no longer in the relationship at the time that there's an obligation to Yibum at the time that Reuven passes away, so then the Mishnah says then we no longer have this exemption on the co-wife. Because they weren't co-wives at the time of death, says the Mishnah, uh, so therefore there isn't an exemption. You need to have them be co-wives at the time of death. Now we're going to see from the Gemara that this is really not so simple. We're going to see an opinion, potentially, an potential opinion, uh, that says that no, it doesn't go based on the time of death, even as long as, even when they were alive, they were co-wives together at a certain point in time, so then even if, there's an opinion that says that even if Shimon's daughter were to pass away before Reuven dies, and therefore at the time that Reuven passes away, there's only one wife around, doesn't matter. Since at the there was a time when Reuven was married, where he was married to both co-wives at the same time, so therefore there will be an exemption from Yibam. Because having that relationship at the same time Create some sort of connection between the co-wives. Even if the co-wives are not co-wives at the time of death of Ruvain, but since while Ruvain was alive, at some point in time, they were co-wives together. There was some point in time where they were both married together. Uh, Ruvain was married to both co-wives at the same time. So then because of that, it's as if uh, the, uh, there's different ways of saying it, but there's, it's as if the Yibam is really connecting back to that original first marriage. So it's whatever happened during the marriage itself would impact whether or not there's an exemption for Yibam. So even if uh, at the time of his death, when there's the obligation to do yebum there's only one wife around, and the other wife who is related to the brother is no longer in the picture, doesn't make a difference. Since at, uh, there's an opinion that says since at some point in time they were they were both co-wives together, so therefore there will be an exemption from yebum so we'll see that there's such an opinion. Again, according to our Mishnah, the simple explanation of our Mishnah, it's not that way. It's that they have to be co-wives at the time of death, at the time that there's an obligation to do Yibam. They have to be co-wives uh, with the, meaning one, one wife is already exempt because she's related to the brother and then now we'll exempt the co-wife. And only in that scenario do we apply this exemption to the tsara, to the co-wife. Uh, that's the simple explanation of our Mishnah. But there's an opinion, we'll see in the Gemara, It says that no, as long as they're co-wives at the time, at some point in time together at the same time, so then there's an exemption. Everyone agrees, just on the side, everyone agrees that if they were co-wives, but never at the same exact time, meaning as follows, uh, we'll see this in the Gemara, that let's say Ruvain is married to Shimon's daughter and then gets divorced. She was only married to that one wife at that time, then gets divorced, and then marries a different wife later, and they were never co-wives at the same time. Then certainly there's no exemption. Everyone's going to agree that there's no exemption. They would have to be co-wives at the same time, at least. So the Gemara says as follows: Our Mishnah seems to imply that even if they're co-wives at the same time, as long as they're not co-wives at the time of death or minu. But we have the following question based on a Mishnah later on. The Mishnah says as follows: Let's say you have three brothers: Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Two of them were married to two sisters. Let's say Ruven and Shimon were married to Rachel and Leia. Rachel and Leia are sisters. So you have two brothers married to two sisters. The And then you have the third one. Levi is married to a... To just uh, not somebody who's related. It means not somebody who's related. So Levi is married to, let's say, Shprinza. So Levi is married to Shprinza. So one of the brothers who's married to one of the sisters, right? two brothers married two sisters, so let's say Shimon was married to Rachel, he divorces Rachel. Okay, so he divorces Rachel. And then Levi, who was married to Shprinza, who wasn't in the picture, Levi dies without children. And so Shimon now, who was who already divorced his wife Rachel does Yibam with Shprinza. So he's only married to Shprinza. Now Umays and then he dies. Right? So then he dies and now you have Shprinza around. That's the case. That's the case where we say that Shprinza can now do Yibam with Ruven Why? Because Shprinza was never a co-wife at the same time as Levi was married to Rachel, because Levi first divorced Rachel, then he married Shprinza. So even though Reuven is married to Leah, who is the sister of Rachel, but still, since there were never co-wives at the same exact time, first he got divorced, he divorced Rachel, and then he married Shprinza. So therefore, that's the case where the tzara is mutter, where it's permissible for the tzara, for Shprinza, to do even with Ruvain. The implication is, the implication is that only in that case is it permissible for the tzara to then go ahead and do yibum for this for this other wife who is not related to do yibum. The implication is, but let's say they were both married. That Levi was ma- that Shimon sorry, was married to Rachel and Shprinz at the same time. They were co-wives at the same time, and then Rachel passes away before Shimon passes away. So the implication is is that there would be an exemption from yibum because since they were co-wives at the same time even if they weren't co-wives at the time of death still there would be an exemption from yibum. That's the implication which is against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah seems to imply that we don't care about what happened during the marriage all we care about is the time of death. And so Amar Abiyarmiah that's the question. The Gemara answers it seems to contradict our Mishnah. The Gemara gives two answers. Amar Abiyarmiah Tavra it's a, it's a, it's a contradiction. Mishishan Azul we have a machlokas we have a dispute. We have a dispute. Our Mishnah is of the opinion that what we care about, the determining factor, is the time of death. Were they co-wives at the time of death or not? If they're not co-wives at the time of death, even if they were co-wives at some point in time before the husband passed away, before the brother passed away, still it doesn't make a difference we care about the time of death. The other Tana, the other Mishnah which we quoted, says that no. It goes based on the original marriage. Even if at the time of death they're not co-wives, since at some point in time they were co-wives together, at the same time they were co-wives, so therefore there would be an exemption from Yibam, which highlights the idea that Yibam is about connecting back to that original marriage, not just at the time of death, but even before the time of death, potentially. Different ways to explain it, but perhaps that's one explanation, that the Yibam connects back to that original marriage even before the time of death. Rava says, second answer, so the first answer is to say that there's a contradiction, that they're they're arguing with each other. The second answer says rabama who really they're not arguing vizu lomar zukitani they're not arguing but they're really saying it's one one opinion that says both apply really both do apply and everyone agrees that even if they're co-wives not at the time of death but only while they're while they're married to Shimon, that would still be an exemption but our Mishnah presents first one law at the time of death that they're co-wives, and then it says also the next case where it's they're not they're they're not at the time of death. Sorry, just to, to clarify, the second opinion Rava says that really it's all one opinion, and that opinion is that we go based on death. Sorry, we go based on the death that at the time of death if they were co-wives, uh, so then uh, there's an exemption from Yibum. But if they weren't co-wives at the time of death. Even if they were married, if they were co-wives at some point in time during the marriage of Shimon, uh, there still won't be an exemption of Yibam. The co-wife, who's not related, would have an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza. And certainly in a case where they were never married at the same time, they were never co-wives at the same time. Certainly in such a case where they were never co-wives at the same time, that there would be an exemption, that there would not be an exemption from Yibam. It would be permissible to do Yibam. So again, the, the, we had a dispute. The first opinion, Rabbi Yirmiyah, said that there's there's an argument here, a fundamental argument. Do we go? Do we define the status of co- wives based on death, or do we define it based on even one during the actual marriage? According to the second opinion, Rava, he argues and he says that no, really, everyone's of the same opinion, and the idea here is that it goes based on death, and it's it's highlighting the fact that even if they were married, uh, they were co-wives at the same time during Shimon's life, but since a death, they weren't co-wives at the time of Shimon's death; they were not co-wives. Therefore, there is an obligation for that co-wife who is not related to do yibum or Chalitza. And certainly in a case uh, where there were never co-wives at the same time, they were never married uh, to Shimon at the same time, certainly there, there would be an obligation for yibum or Chalitza. We're now going back to the, the we're going to the third topic on this page, which is going to conclude uh, the Gemara's Commentary on the Mishnah. And so we're going to a new part of uh, of the Mishnah, in, towards the end of the Mishnah, the Mishnah said v'chol It discusses Mion, which is a topic that we discussed in an earlier recording a few days ago. Mion is the con- is the idea that if you have a girl, uh, a minor, who ha- had a rabbinic marriage, without getting into the, de- into the details of how she could have a, a marriage on only on a rabbinic level, but she had a rabbinic marriage. Um, and so then she has the ability to do miyun, which is a form of an annulment it's not a complete annulment we'll get into it later on in, in later chapters of this tractate we'll discuss that but it's a form of an annulment of the marriage and she has the right as a, as a, as a minor until she reaches the age of 12 she has the right to annul the marriage um, entirely it's, 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 and she, she could do it on her own uh, without the agreement of her husband and what the Mishnah discusses, the reason why we're discussing this in the Mishnah, is because what if you have the following case? Ruven and Shimon are brothers. Ruvain dies without any children, <clears throat> but he's married to two women. One of them is, is one wife, and the other one is Shimon's, let's say it is Shimon's daughter. But it's Shimon's daughter who's under the age of 12. And so if the Mishnah was discussing if she does Mion after before or after Ruvain dies, what are the what are the ramifications? And so, the Mishnah says that if she does Mian before Ruvain dies, so then that annuls the marriage and the co-wife then is permissible for her, she has to do Yibam Rechalitza with uh, Shimon. Uh, but the Mishnah goes on to say is that if the, if she did not do Mian during Ruvain's life, uh, so then we require the, and then Ruvain passes away, then her co-wife is required to do chalitza. The co-wife has to do chalitza and the Gemara is going to ask why. Why does she have to do chalitza? Why can't right now, after Ruvain, her husband passed away and now uh, she's, she's she's with, uh, there's this uh, possibility of doing yibam with her father who's Shimon. So obviously there's no yibam there but why can't she do Mian right now? Why can't she retroactively, why can't she annul the marriage, if it's Yabim, and then the co-wife, once she annulled the marriage, the marriage will retroactively, uh, it will be completely annulled, and it's as if she was never married, even at the time of death she was never married, and then it's just the co-wife, and then the co-wife could do Yibam. Why is it that the law is that if if the husband passes away before she does miyun, that the co-wife has to do chalitza? why after the death, she could do she could annul the marriage through miyun? And then the co-wife is the only wife around and the co-wife could then go ahead and do yibum. So the Gemara suggests one possibility and it's going to reject it and it's going to conclude with an idea that we've had in the past. Maybe this is like so Rabbi Oshia has a unique opinion and he says that you can only annul the marriage at the time when you're married, at the time of the actual marriage. Well, when, the, when Ruven was still alive, when her husband was still alive, but once he passes away, so then you cannot no longer annul the marriage. Because once he passes away, it's done. You don't have that opportunity to annul the marriage uh, retroactively. That's the suggestion. Maybe it's that opinion. So therefore, he, she, couldn't, she can't do it. After he passes away, she can't annul the marriage. The answer is no. Lo, Tsaras, Erva, Shiny. The reason for this case is it's different. It's not because you cannot annul, annul the marriage. You could annul the marriage. You could do miyun. The reason why we tell the co-wife to do chalitza is because it looks like after the husband passes away, and then for her to do me and afterwards, it looks like the original marriage was a complete marriage. It looks like uh, everything took place, and the reason why the marriage no longer exists is only because the husband passed away, but not because she annulled the marriage. And so therefore, because it looks like they were married, so then it looks like it's the co-wife of the daughter of Shimon. It still looks like the co-wife of the daughter of Shimon, even though really the daughter was no longer married. But since it looks like it, so therefore, uh, we're going to tell the co-wife to do chalitza. Tani Rami just to conclude, Rami Baruch Chesil says that if she does Mian during the lifetime of her husband, she's permissible to any of the relatives, to the father, uh, to her father-in-law, because it, was, it annulled the marriage. But if she did it afterwards, after his lifetime, then she's forbidden, even though it annulled the marriage completely, but it looks like they were married, so therefore on a rabbinic level, this is all on a rabbinic level, but on a rabbinic level, she still remains forbidden to her father-in-law. So therefore, So the point is, is that if she annulled the marriage after her husband passes away, so then it looks like they were married, and so therefore you're forbidden to your father-in-law, even though you really shouldn't be because it annulled the marriage. Uh, and so too, it looks like it's your, you're the co-wife. It looks like you still exist, and therefore the co-wife is the co-wife of the daughter, and therefore we tell the co-wife to do chalitza instead of Ibam. That concludes the three discussions uh, up to the Mishnah. And this really concludes the, the commentary that the Gemara has on the first Mishnah. In the next recording, we will begin the second Mishnah of this chapter.